Amen. John Cho. Man, thank you. Uh, good morning, everybody. I've been uh, so excited to be here this morning. Man, the altar call, I just felt like that was spot on. Um, I really do feel like the Lord is beginning to bring our community into, He has been for a while, I think for maybe about a year and a half, bringing us into a new season uh, of maturity. And that makes me so excited about this sermon series, this Teleos sermon series. I mean, ever since Will put up that super hipster graphic, the Teleos graphic, my heart has just been stirred. Um, but I really do believe that the Holy Spirit has orchestrated this sermon series specifically for our community, for the specific season that we're in. I really believe it. And I, I mean, I even think like the altar call is kind of uh, evidence of that, right? Like... We were singing all these songs, like, uh, you know, from our hearts to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. It's all about you. Um, even like last night, Christy Sadju was praying this prayer and, and that, that God would make us the people that we say that we are, that God would make us the people that say that you, th that you say that we are. And, and it's just this constant sort of, I feel like as a community, we're entering into this sort of groaning ache together where we're actually wanting to step out into the things that we've prayed for. I mean, I can remember just individuals in the prayer room, Will, Bella, Tony, I mean, Pastor Dale, all these people just crying out, God, would you put feet to our prayers? That God, we would actually begin to be the revival that we're praying for. That God, that we would not be content with just making our commitments one day and being on fire the one day and then the next day just sort of fizzling out. And I even believe that this altar call this morning was just a cry as a collective community, God, would you just begin to grow us into a renewed commitment to you? You know, to use the Old Testament language that we would begin to fulfill our vows before the Lord. It says, don't delay to fulfill your vows before the Lord. All these things have just been like sort of churning on my heart. And uh, I do believe that this, this series is specifically for our community. Um, it kind of makes sense uh, because... You know, this issue of maturity is not the most popular or fashionable. Uh, but I think that our generation actually really struggles with this issue of maturity. I really do. I don't think it's just that we're young. I think that actually, uh, I was talking about this with my mother uh, the other day when I was telling her about what I would be preaching about, and, and she kind of laughed. I was like, that's exactly what I want to tell you guys. <laughs> but I feel like actually, if you think about it, I think our generation's actually less mature than every other generation, even when they were our age. And so I don't think it's just that we're young, but I think it's a particular aspect of the Christian walk that we struggle with. You know, if you think about millennials, what's like the, what are the things that come to mind when you think about millennials? I mean, for me, the first thing I, I do is I kind of laugh, I chuckle. It's kind of a funny word. But what do you think about? I think about the fact that we're sort of the, the, the generation that's the slowest to leave the mother's nest. Or we're sort of, once we get a job, we're going from job. I, I was, I, I'm a millennial myself, right? I mean, I, I was part of that story, but just going from job to job, uh, not really being committed, even in the church, going from church to church, not really being committed. I think about like social media activism, click like, and then forget about it. I mean, just all these things that define our generation, I really do believe that maturity is a specific aspect of the Christian walk that we actually kind of struggle with. And it's not, 
this is not to sort of, you know, criticize our generation. I think, I think God has gifted our generation with, with certain um, unctions and anointings uh, that, are, that are special. I think uh, Bill Johnson was, was absolutely right at, at one thing when he says that we're the signs and wonders generation. There were actually that unprecedented numbers of young people actually going out and, and believing for signs and miracles. I think our generation is <clears throat> sort of this, has this attitude of, I want to give everything to the Lord. I don't want to be tied to material security. I don't want to be tied to comfort. I just want to give up everything to the Lord and just go to the ends of the earth. And I think that's some specific giftings for our generation. But if we have those things and we have that youthful enthusiasm, but we're not founded on, we're not rooted on maturity, we're in a dangerous place. We're in a very dangerous place. You know, if we say, God, I want to go to the ends of the earth for you, or God, I want to plant 10 houses of prayer, and we're not rooted in maturity, that's a very dangerous place to be in. But I see that in our generation. I really do. And, I'm, and I, my, my, my heart is not to criticize, but to just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what is it that you're speaking over our generation? What are the ways in which we need to actually consider where we need to grow up? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like that seed that just springs up with joy at once. You know, yes, Lord, I'm going to go after that. We go to a conference, we're like, yes, my heart is stirred. I'm going to go after you. And then when the slightest wind of testing comes, we just wither up. I can't, I, I don't know about you, I can't do that anymore. I can't do this constant toss back and forth. You know, one day I'm, 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 I'm touched in the house of prayer and, I, and I'm, I'm feeling excited and I say, God, I, I, I really want to pursue you. I want to run hard after you. And the next day I'm just, you know, wasting time on Facebook. One day I say, God, I'm going to do ministry for the poor. And the next day, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, failing to meet that commitment I've made. And I, I think that's sort of symptomatic of our generation. And my heart is to start to communicate this sense of urgency that we actually begin to mature. We actually are not like the man who looks in the mirror and forgets, but we're hearers and doers of the word. Before we get into the scripture here, I really, I don't know. I, I, I've been feeling the sense of urgency and, and, I, and I have this burden on my heart just to be able to communicate just this sense of urgency for God. Would you make us mature? That it wouldn't be about the superficial things. Would you actually make us mature? And I, I've been thinking about these different things and um, I think about things like 1 Corinthians 13, which is a very good chapter for charismatics. <laughs> What it says is you can have the prophetic utterances. You can have the angelic tongues. You can give your body up to be delivered to the flames. But if you can't love, Paul says basically that's completely worthless. I can find many in our generation that are pursuing hard after signs and wonders. I mean, I love speaking in tongues, but how many, of, how many of us are actually taking the call of loving as the foremost priority in our lives? We prefer these sort of superficial kind of flashy things, and we're not concerned about actually maturing in love. And, you know, this, this, this thing of love, we, even our, our generation, we kind of like make it abstract. We, we make it uh, kind of romantic and it's ethereal. But you know what love means at a practical level, at 1 Corinthians 13, 
this is what it actually looks like is to make it really real is if I can't love Daniela, my wife at home with patience, with kindness, with tenderness, if I can't stop insisting on my own way, if I can't stop keeping a record of wrongdoing, Paul is saying all this other stuff, what Pastor Bethany called these lofty aspirations that are so common in the charismatic church, it's really worth, relatively, it's really worth nothing. It's just a vanity. If I can't learn to love maturely, it's really not worth anything. But here's the thing. Our generation, we don't prioritize the things of maturity. We like these exciting things. Or I think about James, uh, I think about the book of James, which we're going to get into today, but I think about the book of James and, and he actually lays out the standard for the perfect believer. He actually lays out the standard for the perfect man. You know what that standard is? It's not how many short-term mission trips you've been on. It's not how many hours I serve in the house of prayer. It's can you control your tongue? You know, the, I, you can, we can find hundreds of people thousands of people in the charismatic church that will say, I will go to the ends of the earth for you. But can we find even one person that says, I don't want to stumble in anything that I say, that I actually take the call of James to mature seriously, where everything I say is pure and edifying before the Lord. We can't find even one. We hear plenty of people talking about, this is what God has called me to. This is the prophetic vision he's put on my life. This is the dreams I've had. But who's the, who, where's the one that says, I want to mature in the things of the Lord? That that's the priority for me is to actually mature in character, to actually mature in service, to actually mature in humility. And so my heart today, uh, for myself especially, but also for us as a community, is, is to communicate the sense of urgency and necessity that we need to really begin to mature into the things of the Lord. So if you um, would turn with me to James chapter 1. I'll be reading from the ESV for the slides. The James is kind of hard to find. It's a small book. It's between uh, Hebrews and 1 Peter. What we're going to look at today is specifically this aspect of steadfastness and faithfulness and how it relates to maturity. Because as I said before, I think that's where our community is right now. I think that's where God is sort of leading us. I mean, even this morning I was talking to Bennett about this. I feel like, and we we felt the same way. I feel like we're at this point where we said, God, I want to give my all for you. I want to, I want to just go, go hard after you. And so we've burned all the bridges and we're at this impasse where we're saying, but wait a second, in order to go forward, I actually need to grow up. And so I can't go backwards because I've made my vows before the Lord, but then I actually have to mature and be steadfast and actually be consistent to do what, what, what I've committed before the Lord. And it's like, oh, there's this impasse where I, I need to take that step forward. And so today we're going to look at what the relationship between steadfastness is to maturity and what actually prevents us as a church, as individuals to actually grow up and be steadfast. So um, starting in James chapter one, uh, verse one. 
says this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. As you can see, James really doesn't bite the bullet ever. (laughs) He really gives it to us straight. But this, I hope this stirs your heart. There's, I think there's two things going on. I kind of think of it like a, uh, kind of like a double-edged sword. There's two sort of ways it sort of pierces the heart. The first is this, is that James, in this chapter, actually lays out a higher standard for us believers. He actually is casting a higher vision. Lift up your eyes from your circumstances and look to this vision, look to this destiny that you were called to. Because he says this, he says, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, James doesn't say that, or God doesn't say that through James, that should kind of tease us. Like, oh, wouldn't it be great if you were perfect one day? What James is actually saying is, I'm calling you, I'm calling every believer right now to be trained through suffering into steadfastness so that you can actually become perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's actually a reality he's calling every single one of us into. It's not just a standard to kind of tease us. And so no matter where you are in your walk this morning, he's actually making the same call to all of us is to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, what you'll see here is that this word perfect in the Greek, uh, if you can guess, is actually the word teleos. And in fact, in this one verse, he uses this word teleos twice. In the Greek, it actually says, and let steadfastness have its teleos effect or have its perfecting effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so as we've talked about in the sermon series, this, this issue of teleos is about maturity. And what it means is having attained the end or purpose, complete, perfect, mature, full grown, is what that word teleos means. And so what James is doing here is he's actually calling us to step into the full end or purpose, the full grown end or purpose of our lives. He's actually calling us to step into the fullness of our identity, completing our identity as sons and daughters of the most high God. If that doesn't excite your heart this morning, if that doesn't excite our hearts this morning, we have to pray for that, for that zeal to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Because this is, the, this is the standard that James actually calls us to. But he's also doing another thing in this chapter. He's not only sort of casting the vision for this 
steadfast, complete, perfect, mature. He's also giving a warning for what happens when you're not mature. (laughs) When you're not trained into steadfastness. This is what he says. He says, but let him ask with faith, with no doubting. This is verse six. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. How many of us can relate with being tossed and driven by the wind, like a wave, just back and forth? One day I'm hot and passionate for the Lord. The next day I'm cold. One day I make my commitments before the Lord. The next day I'm going the other way, right? Like Pastor Daryl said, there's no neutral gear. It's either forwards or backwards. And for many of us, we can relate to this going forward and backwards, forward and backwards. We're touched. God touches our heart at one moment. And then the next moment we forget, we become apathetic. Ephesians says the exact same thing. Ephesians says the exact same contrast between being mature and complete and perfected into the identity of Christ. And then on the other hand, being tossed to and fro, immature, unstable. In Ephesians 4, and you don't have to turn there, but this is sort of the, uh, the theme um, verse of the series that Pastor Daryl introduced the series with. But in Ephesians 4.11, and it will just be on the slide so you can see, Ephesians 4.11, this is sort of the theme verse, it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, and this is the key, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. We see the same exact thing in Ephesians that we saw in James. Is that first Paul sets the vision. He sets the higher vision that we're called to. He says this, until we all attain to mature manhood, and he actually takes it up a notch from James, and he says, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Not only is he saying you need to grow up into sort of this mature son and daughter of God, he's actually saying you actually need to grow up into the fullness of Christ himself. That's actually the standard that we're called to. But he, does, he, says the same, he gives the same warning. He says this. He says, you shall grow up into mature manhood that we may no longer be children. And he actually defines what those immature children do is that they're tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out about every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness. So what both Paul and James are doing is that they're actually defining maturity as the one who is steadfast and firmly rooted and the, the immature as the one that is just tossed to and fro by the waves. One day they decide one thing, the next day they're saying something else. Now James and Paul in Ephesians Praise be to God, they actually both give us the diagnosis. They actually discern for us 
Why is it that we're steadfast? I mean, why is it that we're lacking the steadfastness? Why are we not faithful to God? I know many of us have that question in our hearts as we, even with the altar call, God, I want to give my all to you, but I just don't see the fruit in my life. I don't actually see me walking out into the things that, that you've put on my heart. I don't see it. And, and Paul and, and James both actually give us the diagnosis, what's happening in the spirit when we're sort of being tossed to and fro. Because in the carnal mind, you might think, oh, it's just these circumstances. You know, there's this suffering in the world and, and it's very real and that throws us off. But we know that Paul says we war not against flesh and blood, but against darkness principalities. And so what these two um, saints are doing is that they're actually showing us what's the root cause. It's not the world around you that's causing you to be tossed to and fro. It's not the political condition of this country that's causing you to be tossed to and fro. There's actually a different reason. And for both James uh, and the book of Ephesians, the answer to why are we tossed to and fro all the time is in one word, it's doubt. It's doubt. It's a hard teaching, I think. To be told in the midst of suffering and trial, I know many of us this morning are coming in with heartache and brokenness and just heart-wrenching situations. But if we are to get steadfastness in those circumstances, we're not being tossed to and fro like the wave. It's not that the circumstances around us need to change. It's that we need to start believing in the identity of God as father, that he is faithful to do what he has promised. It's not about my circumstances, but it's about where's my heart aligned? Do I actually believe that God will say, will do what he says he will? Right? So, so both James and, and Ephesians bo- uh, both do this. Uh, so if you look at uh, Ephesians, um, Ephesians uh, 4, 13 and 14. So we'll just have 14 on the slide. It just says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine. So Ephesians is specifically talking about the, the lack of steadfastness that comes from just being swept away by humanism, swept away by the ideologies of this world. I mean, I think this is so, so critical uh, for our uh, generation, for our church at the political climate that we're in. I think this is so important. So many applications for those of you that are uh, going to, to return to college this semester. It's just in the arena that we're in, in society, it's just this constant spouting of ideology after ideology, after doctrine of man, after philosophy. And it's just constantly just, I don't know what I believe. I'm just going to, oh, actually, this sounds good. I'm going to take a little bit of this. I'm going to take a little bit of this doctrine. I'm going to believe what this professor says. And it's just being constantly swept back and forth until you're not actually sure about what you believe anymore. You know, uh, I do think that this is a serious problem in our, in, our, in our day and age because if you're anything like me, I grew up in the liberal Northeast, hallelujah. <laughs> and I was always taught that doubting, questioning, challenging, critically thinking, like these are all good things. Like it's not ever good to be sure about Jesus being the one true way to the Father. It's not, it's not good being sure about my identity of a son and daughter of God. You always have to question. You always have to be open-minded. 
But this is exactly what Paul is talking about in Ephesians, is this constantly just going after one teaching, another teaching, never being confident in, in the authority of the word. So that's one kind of doubt. James talks about another in James chapter one. He talks about the doubt, just a more general doubt in God's identity as a good father who provides. Because he says in uh, James one chapter verse five, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously, right? God gives us all of our needs without reproach, without showing favoritism, But James says, you need to ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed. So again, like Ephesians, James is saying the reason for why you're actually being tossed to and fro is that you lack faith in the providence of God, that God has my back. He's going to pull through for me. I might not understand the situation right now, but he's actually going to come and deliver me from my circumstances. That's where the shaking comes. That's where the toss to and fro comes. And this is, I, I think this is so critical for, for our day and age. Where we're constantly taught to question and doubt and critically think and examine and never be quite sure. But the Bible is clear. This is a hard teaching, but the Bible is clear. Often, now this is going to be very hard because I know that many of us are going through circumstances that are very difficult. And it's like, God, I, I, don't, I don't see your hand in this. I don't see you coming in for me on this. And I know this is going to be hard, but many times, consider this morning, many times doubt is actually a sin, a rebellion, and an offense to God. And when we see that sin, it's, our response is not to feel guilty, but it, our, our posture actually has to be, examine your hearts this morning. I need to repent of my doubt and start deciding to believe in God's faithfulness. The scripture is clear. It says this throughout uh, the scriptures. And in Hebrews eleven six, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. Really, if you think about it, the one damnable sin is doubt. It's, t- it's very tough. It, I mean, if you grew up in a conservative church, then you're like, yeah, that's fine. But if, if you're like me, if you're a millennial, it's very tough to accept that, s- that doubt is actually a rebellion. That doubt, is, the lack of faith is actually not pleasing to God. Another example, uh, there's many, but Matthew 17, uh, Matthew 17, 17 uh, this is uh, the story. This is a crazy story when the disciples are not able to to cast out a, a demon. <laughs> I mean, I've never been able to cast out a demon, but they're unable, and so they they bring this this person to Jesus, and they're like, "We couldn't do it." And Jesus' response to them in Matthew seventeen seventeen, it says this. And Jesus answered, "Oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you?" Doubt is often rebellion and an offense to God that we actually need to repent of in many instances where in our, in our, in the shaking in our lives and the shaking in society, do we decide to say, God, I trust in you. I believe in you. I don't understand what's going on, but I know that your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. As high as the heavens are from the earth, you're far above my plane. 
Or we can decide to get angry and bitter at God and say, God, why is this happening to me? Why is all this family conflict happening? Why is this all this sickness happening? Why is all this turmoil happening? That decision is actually what leads to, are you going to be steadfast and mature or are you going to be driven and tossed by the wind? When I was in college, I came to a place where slowly just being, you know, growing up in this liberal environment, just questioning everything, doubting everything, you know, even in church, you're encouraged to sort of, you know, explore and explore different religions and, and, uh, you know, bring your doubts before other people and, and, and talk about them, which I, I think is good, but that overemphasis on doubting. I think I came to this point in college where I, I wasn't sure if I really believed this stuff anymore. Like, I, I, I was a Christian. I, I led worship for my Christian fellowship. I went to church every Sunday, you know, went to small group, whatever. But did I actually believe the promises of God? And some of you this morning might think, yeah, I believe in the promises of God. But if we believed in the promises of God, like I love what Brian Kim said at 110. He said, can there be someone that actually just lives like an actual Christian? Like, can we actually take God for his word and actually live like we believe this book? Let me tell you this. If all of us actually believe this word, our lives would be completely different. We wouldn't be anxious of our jobs because we have a God who provides. We wouldn't shy away from uh, the, the sick and the lame on the streets because we know that God has the power to heal. We wouldn't be afraid of death because we know that we have resurrection life and eternal life forever. Our lives would look completely different if we actually took this book seriously, if we actually believe this thing. And I came to this place in my, in my walk in college where I was just like, I don't know if I really believe in prayer. Like, I do it. And I know, I, I know many of us are here today right now with this. Is, yeah, I, I pray, but do I actually believe with all my heart that God's going to come through? That God's going to break through? That God will actually answer my prayers? And I came to this place and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't just live my life where I'm do, going through the motions, but I don't actually believe the words of this the Bible. And so I started praying for um, what, maybe one and a half, two years. Every single person that said, you know, what do you need prayer for? I just said, God, I, I need an increase in faith. I just, I just need an increase in faith. I can't do this on my own. There's, there's nothing that can force this faith out of my heart. And in junior year of college, within a span of about a month, the Holy Spirit, by his tender mercy, just broke into my life and just released this supernatural impartation of faith over my life. I mean, it was just nothing that I could have come up with by myself. And I believe that same sort of invitation for impartation is here this morning for all of us. I didn't somehow merit it or deserve it by my own works. I didn't somehow deserve, you know, I was feeling apathetic. I didn't somehow say, oh, I'm going to put effort into sort of being more on fire for the Lord. It was just the tender mercy of God that came to answer my prayers and said, I will give you the faith. I will supply the faith that you need. And, and in that moment, in that span of a month, one night I remember just this moment of breakthrough and my life has never been the same. 
And it was this. God revealed uh, just with new eyes, James 1 to me. This line of, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And I said, God, I can't be double-minded anymore. I can't live my life unstable in all my ways anymore. I just can't do it. Do you know what being double-minded looks like? Is coming to church every Sunday, spending hours setting up and breaking down, going to Saturday night prayer, going to Wednesday night small group, going on short-term missions, and then not actually believing, like for real, that God will do what he said he did in the Bible. That's being double-minded. I mean, if, if this stuff that we're doing together as a community, I love what Pastor Daryl says, we're not here to be a social club. If, if we gather every single Sunday for the rest of our lives, and we don't actually believe this stuff, if we don't actually live like we actually believe this stuff, I mean, it's, it's a royal waste of time is what it is. We're actually double-minded. We're unstable in all of our ways. I, I think about like the, this is kind of intense, but I think about like the, 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 the prophets on the, the prophets of Baal on the Mount Carmel and they're dancing around and they're dancing around, they're yelling and they're cutting themselves, but the fire just won't come down. The fire just won't come down because they don't serve a, the one true living God. They serve idols that cannot see or hear. Here's the thing is if we gather every Sunday and we put in all this effort and, and blood, sweat, and tears, and we're crying out in the prayer room, but then we're not actually steadfast in believing in what this word says. We're, we're, I mean, we're really, I mean, we're literally delusional. Like, what are we doing? What Brian Kim said, will act, someone actually live like they're actual Christians? Is that, that's all it is. Is will someone live as if this is actually a real book with real truths, with real promises from God. And I said, God, I, I can't be double-minded anymore. I can't be unstable like this anymore. And, and I, I really, it's not about my, like where I was in my faith. It's not about, you know, my works or how much I read the Bible. It was just by the total mercy of the Holy Spirit that he came to me and said, I will provide the faith that you need. I will provide, and my life has, I mean, I don't have perfect faith by any means, but my life has never been the same since. Where I anchor myself and I said, that, that night, the Holy Spirit led me to this decision. He led me to this decision where, he said, where, where I said, you know what, I'm deciding before you tonight that I will not be unstable, that I will actually be steadfast to believe that you're a God that fulfills your promises. I've decided and I'm not going back. I've burned the bridges and I'm not going back. I'm going to be steadfast in my faith and trust in you. And I believe that's the, that's the cry that's going out for our community this morning. I really, I really believe that's the, the season where we're in. And many of us are, again, that, that sort of toss to and fro, toss to and fro. But when is the time that we finally make the decision? God, I'm here. I'm totally yours. I'm 100% committed. I'm going to follow through to the end. 
I'm going to finish the race strong. Not just one week, not just one month, but the decades of my life that I have, I'm going to finish this race strong. I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to keep sort of, you know, in college, it just, it just, broke my heart. You know, I would, I would be like, God, I'm, 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 I'm straining forward. I'm pressing forward for you. I'm, I'm going after you hard. And the next day I'd be like, ah, that's, that's a little bit too radical. That's a little bit too extreme. And it would just be that constant toss back and forth. And he led me to that decision when I said, God, I have decided that I, by your mercy and by your grace, I am not turning back for all the days of my life. I'm not turning back for all the days of my life. And I, that's not, you know, it's by the mercy of God. And I feel that that same mercy is accessible to every single one of us this morning. It really is. No matter how apathetic you feel, no matter how jaded you feel, no matter, oh, I've been in the faith for 20 years and this is, I've settled into this rut. It doesn't matter. Ask for faith and God will release that faith upon your life. He really will. Like the gospel will really come to life. Like this thing will actually be real. And you'll open this and say, this is actually guidance for my life. Like I can actually walk out and believe that God's going to do what he said he did here. Like when I, read, when I read James and he says, pray for the sick so that they may be healed, I'm actually going to do that. When he says, Elijah was a man like us, but he, he prayed and it stopped raining for three years, that's actually a reality that I'm called to step into. That faith is available to all of us this morning. I promise you. I promise you. I'll just close with this verse which I feel like is sort of a cry going out to this community right now. Proverbs 20, 20 verse 6 says this, Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. How many of us this morning would say that we love Jesus? I love Jesus. I say that publicly. I love the Lord. But what Proverbs 26 is saying is that many a man can proclaim their own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. We're a community that loves the Lord, and we say that we love the Lord. And even if that doesn't result in the the works that it should, That's actually a process of the maturing. It's not like we have to be perfect, but the cry that's going out this morning is a faithful man who can find. Will there be one who will stand in the gap? Will there be the the eyes of the Lord search to and fro to find one whose heart is blameless? Will there be one? And I'll say this. Even if it feels like, man, that's a high call. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I have the strength in my heart. I don't know if I can be that faithful one. This question of many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. There was one who was faithful. There was one who was more precious, more beautiful, more fair than all the sons of man. And he was perfectly faithful to the to God and he actually set the way for us to enter into that faithfulness as Paul says in Ephesians that we're actually to mature into the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ we're actually called to enter into that faithfulness 
And so that's the invitation going out this morning. So, um, I know we don't have a, a lot of time left uh, in the service, but I do just want to open up uh, just time for not like a huge thing, of, you know, huge altar call or whatever, but um, just for people to receive prayer, man. My heart just, just preparing this, just trying to communicate this urgency of maturity. I have so, just praying through this, I have so much hope for all of us, for every single individual here, that God is doing a work in you, that if you have a desire to mature, he started something in you, and the word says that if he started something in you, he will carry it on to completion. It's not about our own works or our own righteousness. And so, listen, this is not going to be some big thing, but, you know, we have to break down soon and everything, but, just if you, if you want prayer, my heart, even if it's just one person that I'll just pray for you, my heart is just, I want us to be a church that is, that is steadfast and mature, that's not tossed to and fro. And specifically, uh, of course, it can be a continuation of last week. If you need prayer for emotional stability, obviously, yes, come up. If you need prayer for healing. But personally, I would love to pray for any of you that are struggling with doubt. If you're being tossed to and fro and, and you're like, I don't know if I can trust God. I just want to pray for deliverance right now over anyone that is struggling with doubt, that is struggling just being tossed to and fro by the doctrine, do- doctrines of man, by every wind of doctrine. We ask for deliverance right now in the name of Jesus. So I just invite you up. Again, if you just need prayer, we're going to, not super intense, but just come up. If you need prayer to, to be stable, to be steadfast. My heart, I feel like I just can't even communicate myself well, but my heart is just burning to see people that are steadfast. That do what they say they will. That they've made their vows before the Lord. They've made their commitments before the Lord. And by the mercies of God, that they'll actually step into this steadfast reality where they're not shaken.